Welcome to the Supervisory Development Course Podcast from the University of Minnesota. This episode is adapted from a webinar that aired on April 18th, 2018. The podcast discusses managing conflict in the context of the University of Minnesota. For more information and resources, visit supervising.umn.edu and explore Module 3 on Managing Conflict. All right. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome. My name is Amanda Wolford, and I am joined by Brandon, Donna, and Christina. Today, we are all from Leadership and Talent Development, and we are going to be presenting on this webinar, Managing Conflict in Action. And we'll be taking turns facilitating the content and activities that we have planned for you today. Thanks to those of you who attended some or all of the six foundational supervisory development course webinars last year. And this year, our focus is to bring those topics back, but with a deeper dive. So today's webinar is part of the supervisory development course, which also contains videos, printable quick guides, scenarios, and quizzes for you to explore and supplement your learning. But to get the most out of the course, you'll want to go to the site, supervising.umn.edu, and use the tools that are already out there. And of course, explore and practice the content in the real world. So conflict can really open our eyes to new ideas and help us see the things that are important to other people. And it also forces us to examine our own goals more closely and what we're really after. Conflict also builds more effective teams by building trust and improving relationships because it renews the confidence in their ability to work together. And this is all possible and it's all based on whether or not it's handled effectively. And some of you may subscribe to the Monday Motivator newsletter from the National Center for Faculty Development and Diversity. And this is a great resource for many of the topics that we cover in the supervisory development course. So a few weeks ago, the Monday Motivator was all about managing conflict. The email from the editor started out with this, quote, there's a whole lot of anger in the air lately. My inbox has been overflowing with messages from angry new faculty who are sick of departmental drama, tired of student hostility, and who are so filled with anger that they can't focus on their research and writing, end quote. So the newsletter goes on to point out that many people take one or one of two non-productive approaches to conflict. They either fight every battle or they avoid it altogether. Do you fight every battle or avoid conflict altogether? And maybe it's not either or, but somewhere in the middle. And you can mark where you think you land on that spectrum. And the problem with fighting every battle is that it can quickly alienate you from everyone in your environment. The problem with avoiding conflict is that when anger is pushed down, it grows, deepens, and expands. And then this can increase the risk of publicly exploding when triggered by something minor, also known as the straw that broke the camel's back, as the saying goes. And that's also where stress-related illness can pop up or something that becomes an energy vampire that leaves you with nothing left to give in finding a solution. Jot down one or two conflicts that you're currently facing right now. They can either be at work or outside of work. So I'll give you a few moments to do that. So when conflicts do arise, learning how to engage in a healthy way will allow you to manage emotions, express your feelings, retain your integrity, and minimize negative consequences to your professional relationships. And there are three questions that you can try when you're faced with a conflict. And they are, in this particular situation, 
Should I push back or pull back? What will I gain and what will I lose? And if I decide to push back, what's the most effective way to do so? Keep in mind that anger is energy and it has to come out of your body in some way. So in other words, don't confuse pulling back with stuffing down. Pulling back simply means releasing the energy that's angry in an indirect way because the cost of overexpressing it can outweigh the benefits. And it's better to express your feelings in ways that let off emotional steam in increments. And there's always a wide variety of possible responses to any conflict, and each response has a different set of costs and benefits associated with it. So those three questions should help you think about what steps you want to take next. And most conflicts don't fit nicely into just one type, and there's often layers. Conflict at work stems from one or more of the four common sources of conflict, which are task or differing ideas about what work will be done, including plans, ideas, projects, or goals. Process, which is differing ideas about how to get the work done, including methods for making decisions and the steps and people involved in getting things done. Status, which is differing ideas about who is in charge or deserves credit for the work. Or relationship, which is interpersonal conflict involving anger and hurt feelings. So knowing what the real issues are that are creating conflict and disagreement can help you figure out how to address them directly and identify possible solutions more quickly. For more information, we have a quick guide to the conflict sources as part of the supervisory development course. As a supervisor, many of the conflicts you have to deal with involve members of your team or department and may not directly involve you. In these cases, your job may be to provide feedback and coaching to others so that they can learn and apply these skills themselves. All right, so the majority of this webinar is going to be spent on conflict management skills. So whether you've decided to push or pull back when it comes to dealing with conflict, knowing how to use conflict management skills effectively will set you up for the best outcome. Managing conflict comes down to four phases and they're knowing when to get involved, managing emotions, building trust, and seeking solutions. And each of those phases has two key skills that can be developed and improved with practice. And ultimately getting better at these skills will raise your overall competence as a supervisor. And there's a lot of overlap with conflict management skills and supervisory competencies. So we created this image to illustrate that. And this is a lot to take in, but the point is this. Getting better at managing conflict begins with an honest assessment of the skills that we're good at and the skills we need to focus on improving. The supervisory competencies don't fit as neatly as the skills, but this is a good entry point to helping you understand what you can do to master a phase of managing conflict and ultimately be a better supervisor. And on your action sheet, you can circle which of the skills you would consider your strengths and which ones might need development. So for example, if you're someone who gets defensive when you receive feedback that you don't like, this might make it more difficult for you to manage emotions during a conflict situation. So a good development focus might be getting more comfortable receiving difficult feedback, which is part of the learns and adapts competency. Or if you aren't always good at helping others understand how their work is connected to broader goals, you may find it difficult to build trust. So a good development focus might be taking the time to determine what the common goals are with others as a way to build that trust. And that's part of the motivates and inspires others competency. 
But first, we're going to demonstrate the use of these skills and competencies through some examples. And to demonstrate, we're going to visit a fictional and dysfunctional department that's based on true stories. We have unit one and two department leaders, Jody and Josh, and they have their own direct reports, as you can see here. And listen closely because we've embedded some of the conflict skills and we'll be asking you a few poll questions as we go. And specifically, you'll want to make note of the characters, Jody and Josh, and their behaviors and reactions. So Christina is our narrator, and she will set up the first role play. So Jody and Josh are supervisors in Unit 1. Recently, the departments were asked to jointly manage a major data project that is highly visible across the university. During a planning meeting, it was decided that Jody will lead the project. The project team will be her team, along with two of Josh's direct reports, May and June, who will temporarily report to Jody. At a recent project meeting, June didn't show up. After the meeting, Jody swings by Josh's office to ask of June's whereabouts. So let's listen to the conversation. Hey, Josh, we had a project meeting today and June wasn't there. Where is she? She's unavailable for the next few weeks. I, I told you about that a couple days ago. Um, no, you didn't. Is everything okay? Is she sick? She's fine. A request came in to continue some work we did last year with Unit 2. They were interested in exploring some new research funding options to possibly apply for in the future. It's nothing too major, but I thought it would be a good opportunity for June since she worked on it before. I told her she could work from home for the next few weeks to really focus on it. Nothing too major? You pulled her off the data project to work on this small potatoes project? That is so stupid. Whoa, you don't have to get so mad about it. It's important that we support requests like this when they come in, you know that. This is unbelievable. We agreed as a leadership team that June would work on the major data project. We need her to support to meet the project goals on time. And now you're assigning her other work? <sighs> yes, like I said, she can start helping with the data project again in a couple of weeks. It's no biggie. Look, I'm running late to a meeting, gotta go. So Josh quickly heads out to his meeting, leaving Jody fuming. Clearly, this, this conversation did not have a productive outcome for Jody. From her perspective, Josh already agreed that June would be assigned to work on the major data project. By assigning June work on the research funding project without a conversation with Jody, Josh damaged the trust in their working relationship. When Jody found out, she was rightly upset. However, using an angry tone only escalated the conflict, causing Josh to act defensively. In the end, these two supervisors walked away from the conversation with broken trust, anger, and still no solution to the real problem, which was getting June back to work on the major data project. So let's pause for a moment to consider what is the source of conflict between Josh and Jody? So on the screen there, there's four options. A is task, which is differing ideas about what work will be done. B, process, or differing ideas about how to get the work done. C, status, differing ideas about who is in charge or deserves credit for the work. And D, relationship, interpersonal conflict involving anger and hurt feelings. So go ahead and select all that apply. We'll circle back to this momentarily, but first, let's unpack what's going on here with Josh and Jody and consider conflict skills that should have been used to have a more productive outcome. Brandon is going to describe these skills. So first, it's valuable to consider Josh and Jody's perspectives. Reflecting on the whys of someone's behavior can help guide the conflict management skills used to diffuse it. The dynamics between Josh and Jody are common ones. 
Most of the time, everyone is trying to get their work done and meet their supervisor's expectations. As a result, disagreement bubbles up and conflict that's unaddressed quickly spirals. So it's not bad apples or bad intentions creating conflict, but rather not wanting to address disagreement and or lacking the skills to do so. The first skill we're gonna talk about is managing emotions. This means staying calm and helping others keep their anger and frustration in check. This doesn't mean you won't experience those emotions, you will. It's normal when dealing with conflict, to feel angry, anxious, or frustrated. In fact, even minor disagreements can trigger strong feelings sometimes, that's normal. However, reacting out of anger and frustration is not likely to resolve anything. Instead, managing these feelings allows you to focus on the situation in a more productive way and to avoid doing and saying things that will make the conflict worse. Also, emotions are contagious, especially those of a supervisor. If you act out of anger or frustration, the people on your team are likely to follow your example and do the same thing, which will further escalate the situation. So as a supervisor, when you are able to stay calm and rational, the people on your team will too. Now, we all react a bit differently to conflict. So think about when you're dealing with a conflict situation, what are the typical emotions that come up for you? Getting back to Jody, although she may have had a good reason to be angry with Josh, she expressed that anger by saying, that is so stupid, which escalated the situation. Instead, practicing a delayed response would have helped Jody to focus the conversation on addressing the situation more productively. Here's some tips on how to do that. A simple but powerful technique is to pause before responding to something that has provoked you. This technique can be especially helpful when a conflict catches you by surprise. In role play, Jody was surprised that Josh reassigned June to another project. This would have been a perfect time to pause, take a deep breath, and consider the best way to respond. Often our initial instinct is to express unfiltered anger or irritation at the other person. However, taking a deep breath gives us a moment to consider the most productive thing to say. It is also important to know that people differ in how quickly they get angry, how intense those feelings are, and how long those feelings last. So if you're someone whose emotions can come on quickly and be quite intense, then you'll wanna have a plan for keeping this technique at the ready. The goal of managing your emotions is to pause so your emotions can subside and then respond objectively. For example, by stating your observation of the behavior you're reacting to, describing how it's making you feel, and then clearly describing what you need. In the role play, by reacting immediately, Jody focused on venting her frustration at Josh instead of discussing why this situation was problematic for her and what she needed. To apply this for yourself, write down your observations of the behavior you're reacting to, describe how it's making you feel, and explain your needs and what you want. Feel free to do that now as we're going through this webinar, or you can do that after the webinar. Back to the role play. It's not surprising that Jody is upset since Josh didn't tell her he was reassigning June, which raises some big concerns for Jody that Josh has not acknowledged or addressed. Once he realized that Jody is upset at what he has done, the most productive way forward would be for Josh to build back some trust, trust with Jody through reflective listening. Reflective listening starts with using open-ended questions rather than closed questions. Closed questions are answered with just a word or two, usually yes or no, and don't give the other person the chance to explain their thoughts. Closed questions shut down discussion and convey that you aren't interested in hearing more. For example, when Jody said, you're assigning June other work, Josh responded, yep, gotta go. 
Open-ended questions, however, give the person the chance to share more information. For example, instead of the rhetorical question, you're assigning June other work, Jody could have asked, how did you come to this decision without talking to me first? This communicates that she is interested in understanding Josh's point of view. Or Josh could have said, I didn't expect this to upset you so much. What are your concerns here? This would let Jody know that he wants to know more about her concerns. There's a simple exercise you can do to get better at reflective listening. Over the next week, notice when you ask closed questions, questions answered with a yes or no. Practice turning them into open-ended questions. If you do this, you'll find that you have much more helpful and informative conversations. You might even resolve a conflict or two before they become big issues. The second step in reflective listening is to say back to the other person what you hear them saying in your own words, and then give them the chance to clarify what they mean. If they don't agree you've gotten it right, then ask them to help you get it right. Remember, they are the expert in what they are trying to say. A common trap here is getting hung up on trying to pick apart or analyze the other person's words. You'll know you're doing this when you find yourself telling them what they are trying to say. In our role play, both Josh and Jody could start to repair the trust between them through reflective listening. This is often the most effective skill to use when you want to diffuse a tense situation because it shows the other person that you want to hear and understand them. Another important part of reflective listening is showing empathy, even if you don't agree with the other person's perspective. For example, in our role play, Josh could have responded to Jody's frustration by saying, I can see that you're frustrated about June getting moved. I guess I would feel the same way in your position. Let's see if we can come up with a solution to get both of our needs met. Showing empathy almost always diffuses anger and frustration. A few final tips about reflective listening. Be sure not to interrupt the other person or start sharing your own views until you have shown that you understand what they are saying. Also, avoid giving advice, changing the subject, or judging what the other person is saying. For some of us, it's hard to just focus on listening and understanding because we want to jump in with our own views and our own opinions. Don't. The other person will not feel heard or understood if you do that. In our role play, neither Josh nor Jody did much listening. If either one of them is going to resolve this conflict, they will need to focus on listening to each other and understanding each other's perspectives. So as you try these techniques to help you manage conflict, don't, consider to, don't forget to consider the source of the conflict because this will help you identify the problem you're trying to solve. So turning back to the role play, let's talk about the source of Josh and Jody's conflict. And Christina's gonna talk about that now. Okay, so back to the poll question we asked um, previously, what was the source of conflict between Josh and Jody? Um, A, the task or the what, B, the process, the how, C, the status or the who, and or D, the relationship or the interpersonal conflict involving the anger and the hurt feelings. So it looks like, um, oh, thank you for those that answered, it looks like relationship um, kind of inched out the task um, and process, uh, I guess process two, um, got some votes as well. So multiple things are going on here. And it may seem initially like a relationship conflict in the way that Jody and Josh interacted. But below the surface, it's actually a process conflict. So great job for picking up on that for those of you that did. Um, the process is the differing ideas about how to get the work done, which includes the decisions and the steps and the people involved in getting things done, which definitely relates to June being reassigned to another project and the conflict it caused for Jody and Josh. So let's eavesdrop on Jody and Josh a second time. 
to listen to how the conversation may have gone differently if they had used some of the conflict management skills that Brandon described. Paying attention to which skills did they use and how did that affect the outcome? Hi, Josh. We had a project meeting today and June wasn't there. Where is she? She's unavailable for about the next week or so. I told you about that a couple days ago. Oh, really? I don't remember. Remind me. A request came in to continue some work we did last year with Unit 2. They were interested in exploring some new research funding options to possibly apply for in the future. It's nothing too major, uh, but I thought it would be a, a great opportunity for June since she worked on it before, and there will be some consistency in the project work. Oh, uh, well, you know how important the major data project is, and we really need June to be working on it to get everything done on time. Well, she only needs to be off at a couple of weeks. I told her she could work from home, so she can really focus on it. Well, while it is only a couple weeks, and that might not seem like a long time, it still is a large amount of time given the major data project timeline. Plus, others are depending on the work assigned to June before they can move forward. Um, okay, so, I, you know, I, I'm sure they have other tasks they can work on in the meantime. Well, yes, they do, but the project is the priority, and that is not getting done. Yeah, all right, I guess. Hmm. Well, I'm sure we can figure something out. Is it possible to figure out a different time to work on the funding project? Well, they're up against some deadlines to apply for funding. Uh, I could take June off it and reassign it to Gabby since Gabby's not on the major data project. Oh, that would be great. However, since June has previous knowledge of the project, would it work for her to spend a couple hours over the next week to transition the project to Gabby? Yes, that should work and then keep both projects on time. So I'm really glad that I stopped by to figure this out. Great, so let's pause here again. We wanna hear how you perceive the role play to be different. In the chat feature, um, tell us how Josh and Jody handled the situation differently. Specifically, what skills did they use and how did that affect the outcome? So we'll take a couple minutes for you to reflect and add that information into the um, chat feature. I noticed that Leanne had said, why can't a conflict involve more than one source? It can't. It can. It absolutely can. It can be all four of them. Yeah, so a lot of good um, information responses were coming in. So thank you for um, thank you for responding to that way. It looks like some of the big ones um, that I see kind of scrolling through here is they look for common ground. They asked open-ended questions. Um, reflective listening was practiced um, and managing emotions as well. Um, and that's that's really what it did come down to. The emotions were managed. Jody, the second time around, managed her emotions, which allowed her to clearly state the situation and the impact that it taking June off the project would have had. It also prevented Josh from becoming defensive in reaction to her emotions. And then also by reflective, reflective listening, asking the open-ended questions, they built some trust and they were able to um, seek a solution that worked for both of them, which was having Gabby work on the project and also discussing the timeline for some clarity as well. So now that trust and confidence has been restored between Josh and Jody, Let's see how they tackle the next situation. So listen and take notes on the behaviors and reactions in this next situation, this time involving Gabby. So in addition to leading the major data project, Jody needs to provide some reports to Gabby so that she can work on that funding request project for unit two. However, she continues to delay in getting the reports to Gabby and the deadlines are at risk. Josh tells Gabby to ask Jody about the status of the reports. 
when Gabby spoke to Jody, the conversation took a wrong turn. So let's listen to hear what happens when Josh then asks Gabby how that conversation with Jody went. Gabby, did you check with Jody about the status of the reports? Well, about that, uh, she seems really busy, so I couldn't schedule a time to meet with her. Instead, I popped into her office to ask. She started by rudely saying that she didn't have time for me and that I just need to make something up. But I asked again, and she said, I don't give a crap what you tell Josh about the reports. I'll get to it when I get to it. I can't believe she spoke to me like that. She's horrible. <laughs> Wow, Jody usually isn't like that. She must be stressed out or something. Well, why don't you just wait a couple days and ask again? Um, okay, I guess I can. But in the meantime, I need those reports. I am to a point that I can't move forward without that information. You know, I'm sure you have other work you can just do. When, when we do get the reports, we'll have to just be ready for crunch time. Uh, and speaking of being busy, I really got to get back to work. Just let me know uh, what you find out from Jody when you have another chance to talk to her. Thanks. So Gabby leaves Josh's office confused and unclear. She is still a bit shaken after being addressed so rudely by Jody and surprised that Josh didn't address it. Gabby goes back to her desk and decides to just look busy. Maybe someone else will be asked to interact with Jody because she never wants to again. While Josh's advice to wait to address Jody may help let emotions de-escalate, ignoring the rude behavior and not getting involved to help Gabby address the conflict is detrimental to building trust and ultimately finding a solution to getting the much-needed reports. So later that day, Josh and Jody are in a meeting together for a different project. After the meeting, Josh approaches Jody. Hey, Jody. I heard you and Gabby had a little disagreement this morning. Oh, that was nothing. Not a big deal. Gabby, she can be pushy sometimes, though. I don't think she understands how busy I am. Yeah, I, I see. I, I suppose you're right. She doesn't. Well, she's got a lot to learn. True, but we do need to get that report so we can... So you're going to hassle me too, Josh, of all people? I would think that you would understand the kind of workload I'm dealing with right now. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think I do. Whatever. It, it, it's fine. Gabby will just have to wait. That's more like it. I've got to get back to work. So another poll here about the source of the conflict. So reflecting on those scenarios that you just heard, first consider what is the source of conflict between Gabby and Jody, as Gabby related to Josh. So A, task. So that again is differing ideas about what work will be done. B, process. Differing ideas about how to get the work done. C, status. Differing ideas about who is in charge or deserves credit for the work. And D, relationship, interpersonal conflict involving anger and hurt feelings. Keeping in mind, there may be multiple options, multiple things, sources could be interacting here. So continue to make your selection, and we'll come back to this after Brandon describes the conflict management skills involved in this situation. In this role play that we just heard, it's pretty clear that Jody's behavior toward Gabby is causing her to feel disrespected. And the conflict between Jody and Gabby seems likely to affect their performance because the project will suffer if the two of them can't work together more effectively. So in this case, Josh, the supervisor, needs to get involved, not ignore the situation. He needs to coach Gabby on ways to address the conflict with Jody. Now, this isn't all he needs to do to manage the situation, but it is an important first step. In general, as a supervisor, consider the following. Is the conflict disruptive and counterproductive? Is someone being treated disrespectfully? 
Is the conflict causing someone who is performing well to consider finding another job to get away from it? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, then the situation may get much worse if you don't get involved. So back to our role play. As a supervisor, Josh not only needs to get involved so Gabby gets the data she needs to do her job, but he also needs to give Jody feedback about her disrespectful behavior toward Gabby. So there are two issues here for Josh to address. When considering when and how to get involved in a conflict or disagreement, spend time assessing the situation and considering the individual issues. This will help you figure out the best way to take action. On the top of page five of your action sheet, think about the one to two conflicts you're dealing with right now and consider whether you might need to get involved if you aren't already. In our role play, Jody's rude treatment of Gabby has reduced trust all around. Gabby certainly isn't going to trust Jody to treat her respectfully or to be a helpful colleague in getting the work done. And Josh, as Gabby's supervisor, isn't going to trust Jody either. Also, Josh's inaction is likely to reduce trust between him and Gabby as well. Now, Josh can't control Jody's behavior or make her be more respectful toward Gabby. However, as a supervisor, he does need to take action to do what he can to address the situation. One thing he can do is make it clear to Gabby and to Jody that he respects and values them both and that their working relationships are a priority to him. One effective technique for building trust is to talk about the importance of fairness and the other person's cooperativeness. For example, I appreciate your willingness to sit down and talk about this difficult issue. Or, I know we disagree about this decision, and I really want to figure out how we can restore trust between us. These are simple examples, but when you tell the other person that you want to build trust, that you value fairness, and that you see how they are trying to be cooperative, even if only a little bit, the other person is likely to reciprocate and see you as genuinely wanting to work things out. Consider, how might Josh apply this technique to the situation with Gabby and Jody? Write down what you might say if you were Josh. Another effective technique is to talk about the greater good, such as, we share the same goal of fixing this problem, or we both want our department to be successful. Statements about shared goals can help the other person see how cooperating with you and resolving the conflict can help you both. This sets the stage for finding common ground and coming to an agreement that benefits everyone. A third technique is to emphasize that you want to have a supportive cooperative relationship. For example, simply saying, I wanna help you figure this out, or I want you to be successful can go a long way. In the role play situation, a good starting point for Josh would be to talk about the importance of cooperation to the success of the work. He could discuss their shared goals and he could emphasize that he wants to be supportive to both Gabby and Jody. This would reassure Gabby that he supports her in dealing with this very difficult situation and would make it clear to Jody that he won't just ignore these issues. Consider, how might you apply some of the building trust techniques we've just reviewed to your current conflict situations? So once Josh lets Gabby and Jody know that he is committed to addressing the situation in a productive and supportive way, he can move on to seeking a solution. Now here's a tip. You can tell when someone sees disagreement as a competition. They won't want to share information with you. They won't try to understand what you want. They will make a big deal out of differences in your goals, and they will minimize what you have in common. If you experience any of these things, it is important to shift the discussion to common goals and ways in which everyone will benefit from finding a solution.
As in most disagreements, the situation in the role play is not a win-lose situation. There is plenty of room for cooperation and agreement if they can better understand each other's interests and priorities. Now, there are a set of specific skills that will help you identify win-win solutions. Before looking for solutions, begin by defining the problem in a way that is mutually acceptable. Ask questions and share information about how each person sees the problem, the goals, and obstacles to reaching the goals. For example, what do you see as the real issue here? What do you think is getting in the way of solving this problem? Looking at the source of the conflict is a good starting point. And once you agree on what the problem is, then discuss each person's interests, needs, and priorities. For example, it sounds like timing is a big issue for you. What would you like the timing to be? Or cost is a really important issue for me. I need to be sure this is not an increase over last year. The goal of this is to create a mutual understanding of what each, person's need, each person needs. Now, in the role play, they haven't really talked about their interests, needs, and priorities. For example, the reasons behind Jody's resistance to helping Gabby aren't clear. Although Jody's rude behavior is part of the problem, and Josh will need to address that as well, there's probably a specific concern behind it. If Josh can understand that concern, he'll be better able to find a productive way forward. As you unpack the conflict, it is helpful to restate and summarize what each side is saying until you all agree that you have accurately described each side's priorities. This is a very important and very powerful technique, and in fact, probably the single most helpful skill in the entire webinar would probably be restating and summarizing what each side is saying until you all agree you have accurately described everyone's priorities. Once you know the interests, needs, and priorities of everyone involved, you have what you need to start looking for an agreement. It helps to talk about common interests. What does everyone agree on already? For example, we all want to figure out how to come up with the money and staffing to get this project done, or we are all interested in solving this problem once and for all. And right away, rule out any options that participants agree are unworkable. A common mistake when trying to find a resolution is to keep trying to convince the other person of something they see as off the table and simply not an option. The other person will probably respond to this by defending their positions even more strongly. A big part of getting an agreement is finding trade-offs that benefit everyone in some way. What do you have that the other person wants? What do you both have that you can trade? What are you each comfortable giving away? And particularly important, are there issues that are more important to one person than another? If so, trade-offs are possible. In our role play, once the issues and priorities are made clear, Josh may be able to identify some trade-offs where Jody gets her concerns addressed and Gabby gets the data she needs to move the work forward. However, at this point, he does not understand Jody's interests well enough to do that. Think about the conflicts you are currently dealing with and consider what are the interests, needs, and priorities of the people involved? What are some possible trade-offs? As always, don't forget to consider the source of the conflict. And Christina's gonna talk about that a little bit now. So previously, we posted this poll about the sources of conflict between Gabby and Jody. Um, so thank you for those that um, selected all that they thought applied, either A, task, B, process, C, status, or D, relationship. And it looks like, um, again, most people chose relationship, um, and then following that, a tie between task and process. So again, a lot of things um, happening here, and there's many different layers. 
um, of conflict, as we've talked about before. And this one definitely has um, conflict um, arising from a couple of different sources. So there's a status um, source happening here that Gabby is an individual contributor and Jody is her manager's peer. Um, process in that Gabby needs to get these reports from Jody in a timely manner, but they both have different priorities and they're working from different timelines. And there's some relationship um, stemming from relationship as well in that Gabby is being treated in a negative and unprofessional way by Jody. So now that we've discussed the actions um, that can be taken to address the issue, let's listen in again to see what Josh and Gabby uh, might be might do differently this time. Gabby, what did Jody say about the status of the report? Well, about that, she seems really busy, so I couldn't schedule a time to meet with her. Instead, I popped into her office to ask. She started by rudely saying that she didn't have time for me and that I just needed to make something up. So I asked again and she said, let me be perfectly clear with you. I don't give a crap what you tell Josh about the report. I'll get to it when I get to it. I can't believe she spoke to me like that. She's horrible. Wow, that was really inappropriate for her to address you like that. I can see that upset you. Yes, it did. This is a professional environment and it isn't appropriate to treat each other that way. It makes it hard to work with her. Yeah, I understand. I'm going to contact Jody and let her know that type of behavior just isn't okay. But we still need a status update for the reports. Would you feel comfortable reaching out to her again after I connect with her about your original conversation? Well, I, I'm not sure, but I want to get this work done. Anything you can do to help would be great. Jody always seems busy too. There is never a good time to ask. It sounds like finding some scheduled time is probably the best way to approach her. Don't you have a meeting with her tomorrow, I think? Uh, maybe you could ask her about the status of the report at that point. Yeah, I think I could do that. And in the meantime, I'll, I'll contact her about the way she addressed you. Uh, and let me know how the meeting with her goes. Uh, anything else? Uh, no, thanks for the help. All right, so now let's see what happened to, between Josh and Jody later that day as they do it over again, this time utilizing some of the conflict management skills. Hi, Jody. I heard that you and Gabby had a little disagreement this morning. Oh, that was nothing. No big deal. Gabby, she can be pushy sometimes. I just, I don't think she understands how busy I am. I see. I suppose you're right. She doesn't. But I know that you've got a lot on your plate right now. And I think Gabby can be helpful in getting this project moving more quickly. We all want this project to succeed and she has time to work on it. She just needs so much help and she doesn't know the reports like I do. It's just easier if I do it myself. It sounds like you need to get some things off your plate. I'm only trying to be helpful. Gabby is really smart and can get this done. If you could just spend a little time with her this week, she can take it from here. I don't have time to delegate this to Gabby. Well, think about it this way. An hour of your time this week will get this project off your plate and then you can forget about it for a while. Otherwise, by the time you get a chance to think about this again, a few weeks are going to have gone by and nothing will be done. All right. I hear what you're saying. I'll see what I can do about scheduling something with Gabby. So let's pause here again. We want to hear how you perceive the role play to be different. So in the chat feature, tell us how Josh and Jody handled the situation differently. Again, which skills did they use and how did that affect the outcome? So take a moment to jot down some ideas um, about the skills in the chat feature. Um, it looks like a lot of people picked up on the fact that they 
um, stuck with the common goals that they had talked about um, what the goals were. They explored that. It was more of a guided conversation rather than um, a directive conversation. Josh got involved appropriately. So those are all things um, that they, they did do well in order to solve in, um, this conflict and handle this situation differently. That Josh built trust with Gabby by getting involved and empathizing with her. So she made she felt heard. Um, Josh suggested a few solutions to Gabby that she felt confident doing. And also, it might be more appropriate for Josh to deal directly with Jody than Gabby because that's his peer. So a lot was going on in this situation. Um, mainly there was some difficulty in getting the data. But in addition to that, there was also some disrespect in the initial interaction. So when managing a conflict, it is better to focus on one thing at a time. Otherwise, people might get defensive and then the message gets lost in the details in the story. So in this situation, jobs, Josh's job isn't quite done yet. Um, the process piece was addressed, so they got that handled. But he will also need to circle back separately to address Jody's disrespectful behavior toward Gabby. So we have a final scenario here. So I'm going to turn it over to Donna to guide the way. Thanks, Christina. Hi, everyone. The situation I'm going to describe is based on a real life scenario that I consulted on some number of years ago, but I've changed the particulars, identifying features, time frame, et cetera. So it's not attributed to any individual or unit. You'll also want to listen closely to this scenario because we'll have a poll for you to determine next steps. You can take notes on your action sheet. So here's the situation. Josh is the supervisor of May and June, and a conflict has started brewing between the two of them, which unfortunately escalated into a shouting match. May and June have been working on a project together and have very different interpersonal styles. June is extroverted, demanding, and very competitive. Josh has observed that her behavior in team meetings can be intimidating and abrasive, although June's clients give her very high marks. May is quieter, more reserved, and tends not to speak up in team meetings because, as she has disclosed to Josh, June overwhelms her. Josh believes May is as effective as June, but just has a different way of communicating. Josh believes he should have seen the shouting match coming. When June's behavior in meetings is more assertive and direct, May's response is to withdraw and become silent. June has questioned May's competence publicly, as well as her approach to getting her work done. Both May and June shared with Josh that the other's behavior had gotten to the point where each are constantly stressed and dread coming to work. Josh hoped May and June would just decide on their own to get along. In fact, Josh's inaction may have caused the dynamics between the two to deteriorate further. Unfortunately, he has not laid out his expectations for how the team members should work with one another and recognizes roles and responsibilities have been less than clear. He has no idea what to do next. So we're going to look to you, audience, to answer a few poll questions about this scenario. And the first poll asks, what is the source of conflict between May and June? So select all that apply. And the responses are A, task, B, process. C status and D relationship. And then the second poll asks, which conflict management skills would be most useful in this information? A, knowing when to get involved, B, managing emotions, C, building trust, or D, seeking solutions. 
And it looks like you're, you're starting to answer the questions. But again, the main points are we have two high-performing employees, June and May. June's style is observed to be demanding, competitive, kind of abrasive. May is quiet, reserved, and withdrawing. And the emotions have escalated into a conflict between the two of them. Their supervisor, Josh, is conflict avoidant, as we saw in the uh, scenario with, uh, with Gabby and Jody, uh, and he's not clear on expectations and responsibilities. He doesn't know what to do with May and June's conflict. So it looks like for the source of conflict, most people are thinking it's probably a relationship conflict that we're looking at. Um, and we're pretty evenly distributed amongst um, what conflict management skills should um, be used. And actually, that's very observant. So I think in the interest of time, I'll just kind of go through each of the responses here. So if we look at that first poll, the primary sources of conflict, as with many of the role plays that we've been doing today, it's multi-layered. And it's certainly manifested as interpersonal. But in many ways, it was really about lack of clarity in how the work should have gotten done. And Josh wasn't particularly clear about that. So that's a process conflict. And there was some um, piece about who had the authority to kind of call the shot. So it was a little bit of a power struggle, especially on June's part, and that's a status conflict or status of, is the source. And then finally, this all resulted in a deterioration of the relationship and angry and hurt feelings, which is interpersonal. Um, and then with regard to what, what skills should be used, it really is all four of them. So um, Josh should have known when to get involved, would have been helpful for him to have provided some coaching and feedback, um, could have worked with the two of them on managing emotions by delaying the responses using non-reactive statements. And definitely he could have helped May and June unpack their conflict and focus on mutual goals, common ground, have them restate and summarize their positions. And finally, um, he could have helped them to build trust when things started to deteriorate between the two of them. And so just a couple of things in summary, a key part of coaching employees is to help them manage conflict. Not dealing with conflict will end up taking more time and effort than building the skills to negotiate these challenging situations. Um, and even if you don't have a lot of experience in handling contact, conflict, we tend to avoid it. But as with other skills, the more you practice it, the more comfortable you'll more comfortable you'll be. So now Amanda will wrap things up. I'll turn it over to her. So the conflict management skills that we just reviewed will serve you well in dealing with the conflicts that you face in your day-to-day -day work. And keep in mind that as a supervisor, you will also be coaching others and how to use these skills. And as Donna was saying, the more comfortable you are using them and the more experience that you have, the better able you'll be to coach others in managing conflict. And we do have some additional feedback and coaching skill content in module one of the supervisory development course. And earlier, we did ask you to briefly identify what your strengths might be and your development needs when it comes to managing conflict. And if you're not really sure where to start, as mentioned before, there's an interactive self-assessment that can help you evaluate your behaviors and development needs. And when you take the assessment, the scores will help you increase your self-awareness and focus on the areas that you want to improve. I think that's all the time that we have for today. So thank you, everyone, and have a wonderful rest of your week. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Supervisory Development Course podcast. Please explore the Managing Conflict resources on the supervising.umn.edu site. 
There, you'll find videos, guides, and more to help you assess conflict sources, recognize the benefits of conflict, and also build your conflict management skills. The Supervisory Development Course podcast is created by Leadership and Talent Development within the Office of Human Resources at the University of Minnesota. If you have questions or would like to reach out, please email us at ltd at umn.edu.